Last Sunday, I went to an air show. And while y'all were in church, I was in an air show. I noticed I was getting messages from Andy and Matthew calling me about time church started. <laughs> Looking for this mic, I thought, this guy, what is your problem calling me? I'm not going to answer them. <laughs> not really. I didn't find it till later. I was at an air show. You couldn't hear nothing. But I was just amazed at all the people that were there that I was thinking, you know, all these people either are laying out of church like me or they're not part of the body of Christ and how much they need the Lord. So many people out there really need to know the Lord. And I just really want to encourage us to, to be aware that wherever you're at, God wants you to reach people around you. And um, because he just, there's just, just a need out there for real stuff, not religion, not just go up and give somebody some four spiritual laws, but if you could just go up and just share the things that God's done in your life with people. That's, that's what's real to people. Um, it's just giving them what you have. You have the Lord, and whatever God has done with you, it's what you can give people. If it's a lot of Bible knowledge, well, you may run into people who need to know some Bible knowledge. And I'm all for Bible knowledge, but what I'm more for is the gospel being preached with power. And the way to tap into the power is to quit substituting the power of God for all this other stuff. You know? And that's really what God's called us to do is to give people power, not give them some doctrine, not give them the way we want to do church and all that stuff, or our programs or our, our feelings, but give them what God's given us. That's all we got to offer is what God's given us. If God's given you something, you have something to give. And when we give that, that makes room for God to give us, give more to us. People are not interested in religion, and people are not interested in our formulas or our denomination or non-denominations, whatever the deal may be, or how you do worship, or how you, whether you have a good kids program or a good youth program or a good old person's program. People need something more than programs. They need the life of God, the life of Christ revealed. That's really what those people at that air show needed last week. They needed God. They didn't need some guy who thinks he knows God. They need somebody who's got something to say to them that will change their life. That they could find this thing inside that's just wearing them out and killing them. And we're surrounded by dying people. And we're wondering, why, is, you know, why aren't we able to help the people? Maybe we're giving them the wrong stuff. Maybe we're not giving them God. And I just, you know, want to... I'm saying all this to myself because I feel real challenged right now to, to be a to really reach the world with what I have. And <clears throat> so, anyways, y'all good with that? All right, turn to Psalm 78, verse 5 through 11. You can stick it up there on the, on the, on the list up there where you don't have to turn to it. I want to just read this to you this morning. Uh, it says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them. The children, hey, that goes right along with Andy was saying. You know what? I was, I was told people, you know my biggest problem with older people? I get frustrated with older Christians, especially people about 45, 50 years old. They quit. <laughs> if you're an old, older person this morning, you probably have quit in some ways. Parked. Hey, let's park. We've done our thing. That is not God. That the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. You know, that's, you can't quit. 
You just can't quit. You can't just sit down and get mad and be frustrated because things are not the way they were or the way you'd like for them to be. Maybe God's calling you to be the, the person to bring the change that God wants to bring about. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not, did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle, and they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law and forgot His works and His wonders that He had shown them. You know, so that's a trap that all of us fall into as Christians. And that's why in the Bible you have different books in the Bible, different chapters in the Bible. It's forgetting what God has done. That's what He said. They forgot what the Lord had done in their lives. Think about it this morning. There's things that God has done in your life that this morning you have absolutely forgotten about. Totally forgotten about. And, and it's saying that, you know, the, and when you forget, you, you tend to drift away from God. That's what has happened to many of us, is we have forgotten what God has done for us, how God has loved us, how God, the miracles that God has done in our lives. And, what, and the end result is that we drift from the Lord when we begin to forget what He's done. And we don't even pass it along. We forgot it ourselves. That God did mighty works in our lives. Wonderful things. And we've forgotten about them. And you find Christians, people who get saved, and they're all excited about the Lord, and then you find them two years later, and they're miserable. What happened to the excitement? Just, you know, they've lost hope in the Lord within two years. Much of Christianity is like that. And... Really what God wants to do, He wants to remind us of what He's done in our lives. He wants to completely remind us and, and wants us to give what He's... That's what we have to give as a gift. What God has done in you is a gift from God. I heard a testimony this week. Guy, y'all, some of you guys, sports guys in here might know his name. Al Woods, he was a, he was a Tar Heel in the 80s. He was good. And he wound up playing in the NBA. He was an all-star NBA player. And he had gotten saved, but he talked about how he had went so far down in, in debauchery and became an alcoholic and had to go into a treatment center. And he, he was shared how, when he was there, he remembered one thing his grandma had said to him. He said, Al, no matter how far you go down, you, Jesus is there for you. That one thing. He said, think about all the people that I met in my life that never said anything to me, that never told me anything. And I was just like, man, that was just great. That when we meet people, we could say something to them that may in their most tragic moment of life, they could grab hold to it. And he grabbed hold of that, and God saved him. And now he's, you know, pretty, you know, he's a saved guy, and you know, he can go out and speak to people that will never listen to you and I, young black kids, because he's an NBA star. But he truly loves the Lord. And I believe what God wants us to do is, is to, to get us where we care about the people around us and that we will not forget those things that are real in our lives, that God has done. Why are, you know, what else do we have to give, honestly, other than what God's done for us? Um, you know, in your marriage, you can have a marriage that you fell in love with this woman or this man and had a tremendous marriage, a great man, knew God put you together, but then something happened and you began to have trouble. What do you do? You go back and remember. You remember God put us together. That's what keeps your marriage alive. That's what brings you back together. God placed us here. You know, in our lowest moments, 
in life, when we're in our desperate, most desperate moments, why are we doing this? God called me to do this. That's the thing. Because, and you remember how He spoke to you. You remember what He said to you when He called you to do it. That particular verse has a lot of significance to me. Uh, the children of Ephraim, verse 9, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. I was sharing this morning about how I came to this church. And this is how I came. You know, after I was asked to come past, I really saw a word from the Lord, a real word from the Lord. Never could get a real clear word from God. And I refused to come without a, re- a clear word that God clearly spoke to me. And I knew it. And, and we were, one day, it was my last time coming to visit this church. And this man from Kenya gave me this word. Uh, he said, you know, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. This was after months, a couple months of praying and fasting and seeking God about it and hearing all kinds of stuff that made no sense. But when he said that verse, I knew God was speaking to me about coming to this church because two years prior to that, I had the Lord had given me that at a prayer meeting one morning. I said, Lord, I know there's going to come a day when you've called me to do something. And I know what I'll do is I'll miss you on that day. I'll turn back. Please help me, Lord, not to turn back on that day when you called me to do something specifically. And that, when that man read that verse, I knew this God had called me to be here because I could have turned back if I would have forgotten what God had done in my life. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Is God really wants us to remember the things. Remember the prophetic words. Remember the things that God has done. Remember the things that God has said in your life. Don't forget them. Don't become a crummy Christian, you know, a sluggish Christian. Those kinds of things will fire you up, get you, on, you, know, get you out there and, and get you pursuing God. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. If you want to stick that up there, this is pretty common scripture. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Be careful that you don't become an accuser. That's the devil's word. You know, I heard a guy one time say this, that the characteristics of the, that makes the devil the devil is accusation. And when we accuse and we, when we're critical and we're accusing, we are really doing what the devil does. We can, that's one of the ways to tell if you're doing the devil's stuff is when you have an accusing heart, a critical heart. You know, as Francis French Payne said, there's two kinds of ministry going on before the throne of God all the time. One is intercession, the other is accusation. Jesus is interceding, the devil's accusing. And how does the devil accuse before the throne of God? Because he's, he doesn't, he's not allowed before the throne of God anymore because he's cast out. He accuses through mine and your voices. That's how the devil has access to God, is through us. When we begin to accuse people and say negative things and critical things, guess who hears those things? The Lord himself hears them. Because the Lord hears us. So don't let the, the devil speak and use your mouth to be an accuser. You know, when you see something wrong, your, your best bet is to intercede, to pray, and to bless. And if the Lord gives you an opportunity to remedy the thing, do that. But don't, don't be critical. Please don't. Uh, you know, I know we've all done that. Okay. Uh, and they overcame him, being the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, their story. That's how they overcame the devil. See, it's really a weapon. What God's given you and what God's done in your life is a weapon that you can use when the enemy tries to stare you down and, and cause you to stumble, cause you to be tempted. Here's what happens with a lot of Christians. Y'all remember that old song that used to say, words went like this, I've been through the desert with a horse with no name. It was in the desert... 
you can't remember your name because there's no one to call you your name. That's real prophetic, really. I was thinking about that song recently. What happens in our lives is we get in these wildernesses, these deserts, and we forget who we are. We forget the things that God has done and said in our life. Because there's nobody there saying that to us anymore. There's nobody there speaking that. We don't hear that in our hearts. So we get, and that's, what leads, that's why we go astray, because we're in the desert, and we don't know who we are. We forget who we are. That was a tremendous song. There's nobody to call you your name. You're not doing well. Nobody really likes you, or nobody's encouraging you. You can't encourage yourself. And that's really what needs to happen in your life. You need to remind you. Tell yourself your story. Don't tell yourself somebody else's story. Tell yourself your own story. Amen. I was listening to Corey Ten Boone, an old tape from Corey. Many of y'all know who she is. It'd be a shame for the younger generation to miss that woman. She was, she was an apostle in my opinion. But she was, you know, this is the way Corey would preach. She'd tell you about a half a dozen stories. She was in a concentration camp for helping the Jews in World War II. She'd tell you about a half a dozen stories, and then she'd read one scripture. And, she, and it, would just tear, it would bring you to your knees. One scripture. You know, it was like she told the stories, and then those door, stories opened the door to people's hearts, and then she slammed that scripture in there, and it would just cut you to no end. I was listening to this old tape, and I, it made me cry. And she read one verse out of the Bible. It made me weep over my sin in my life. I thought, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, but I was saying, Lord, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do what she. I wish I had all those stories she had to do something like that. And the Lord, you know what the Lord said to me? No, you don't. Do you want your parents to die in a, in a, in a concentration camp? Do you want to watch your sister die? Do you want to be abused like she was abused? I said, No, Lord, I don't. Lord, tell your story. And that's why He said, You've got something to give. Amen. The Lord didn't call me to be Corey Ten Boom. He hadn't called you to be somebody else. He's called you to be who you are. What you have is precious to the Lord. And you've got to believe that. That's why I'm saying you need to hear somebody tell you you're precious to the Lord and what you have in you is precious. You need to know that this morning. So I'm telling you, if you're in a desert this morning, you are special. You are real. You've got something to give. Don't believe when you don't hear nothing from God. When nobody says, nobody cares about you. Don't believe it. Because that's not God. That's, that's everything else but God. God's got something to say to you. Now, God will put us in those situations to draw us out, to draw the mess out of our lives, let it come up so we can get it out of our system. But don't believe because you're going through a difficult time in your life. You're failing and people are not liking you. Don't believe what it says to you because it's not true. Believe what God has said to you. Believe it until you have... That's the only thing you have. Just believe that. And some people in this room this morning need to be encouraged in what God has said over your lives. You need to find out and remember, Lord, what did you say to me 20 years ago, 15 years ago? That's what I need to live on. So that's how you overcome, one of the ways you overcome the devil. It's a great weapon. Let me give you one example out of the Bible. This is simplistic, simple Bible. It's 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 through 37. This is David when, you know, he was just a young strapling facing, you know, the situation with Goliath. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. 
Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You see, it wasn't just combat know-how that was happening there that day. Yeah, David's, David had a little bit of combat know-how. He obviously knew how to deal with some stuff, and he was fighting lions and bears. But that wasn't really the real issue going on in David's heart that day. The real issue is David, God had done something in David. And David came and faced a new battle, a new day. And there was a different enemy out there. But David said, hey, listen, I can dictate this enemy. I can defeat this enemy because this is what God has done in my life. And he was able to take courage and he was able to take faith in that day because of past things that God had done, his past testimony. And that's what we really have sometimes. Sometimes that's all you're going to have. That's all. You're not going to have some current thing that's wonderful. You're going to have something that God did that you can draw on. Well, God did it for me then. This is what's going to happen now. It's a weapon. And God wants us to reach into the arsenal of our hearts and start pulling those weapons out and start using them. Overcome your present situations with what God did with you yesterday. If you study the life of Paul, you'll find that every time Paul got in real trouble, go read the book of Acts when he got in real trouble. I'm talking about big trouble. When he was facing people who wanted to kill him, when he was facing, you know, standing, having to give, you know, he was being questioned by the authorities, he always went back to what God did. He said, this is why I'm doing it. God appeared to me. He, he tells it over and over and over in the book of Acts. He always falls back to what God did in his life. When he was in a pinch, he always fell back to it. See, that's our job. We're in a pinch. Fall back on that. Fall back on the thing that God brings to your heart from your life. All right, turn to Revelations 19.10. Revelations 19.10, which is up there. It says, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. This is an angel talking to John, you know. <laughs> you know, this angel had to be something major for the apostle to want to worship him. You know, so anyways, when those angels appear, don't do that. <laughs> I'm your fellow servant, and of your brethren who have, te- who have the testimony of Jesus, Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that's another thing your testimony has. It has pro- prophetic potential. Uh, and now, the testimony of Jesus is anything that Jesus does or says. He's anything that God has done in your life is the testimony of Jesus. That has prophetic potential. Okay, do y'all know what potential is? That socket on that wall over there has 120 volts of potential because there's nothing plugged into it. It's only potential energy. It is not realized energy. Do you understand that? I know y'all are laymans and don't understand electricity. I'm talking about laymans in the terms of electricity. I'm not talking about laymans in terms of spiritual things. I was an engineer, electrical engineer one, here one time, so y'all are laymans compared to me in the electrical world. Okay? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but it is true. It's true. There's only potential there. Now, you study electricity, that's what they talk about when they talk about, about the volts. It's potential. In other words, potentially there's potential energy, but it only becomes realized energy is when you go and plug something into that thing and that circuit is completed. And when that circuit is completed, you have realized energy. You have access to that energy. 
And that's the way your testimony is. See, I have... When a person stands up here and says, God healed me of lung cancer, there is potential energy in that testimony. Potential energy. doesn't mean it's going to be realized energy. There's energy. If we would plug into it, then we can gain that energy. In other words, we can say, this, God healed this person of lung cancer. God can heal me if I will believe it, if I will plug into that power of that thing. Now, that's what, that's, what, that's what it's saying here. But here's what happens to most of us, is we don't plug into it. When we hear a per- How does somebody get saved? The Bible says they get saved, their faith comes by hearing, right? They heard something. They heard somebody say something that was the truth about salvation. They plugged into That's how I got saved. Somebody told me what God did in their life. I simply believed it. And I plugged into the thing they said to me, and I was able to get saved. The power of God was released to me. Are y'all with me on this? Y'all sitting there looking awful bored. You know, I'm serious. I'm just saying to you, this morning I shared a word with you. That God gave me direction through a word. You know what you could have done then? You could have said, wait a minute, I need a word from the Lord. You did it for him, Lord, and you can do it for me. I'm going to plug into that. Let me ask you a question this morning. Somebody told you, hey, there's a brand new restaurant in Morrisville. Open up. Man, they got the best burgers in town. What would you do if you love burgers? You'd march yourself right down there and buy a hamburger based on what this person told you, right? Is that true? Well, we don't do that way with spiritual things, do we? We hear stuff all the time that's the truth, but we don't act upon them. We don't connect into them. That's the truth. Now, I think we need to face ourselves. You know what I used to be? I'd hear testimonies. I'd be cynical. I'd be resentful. I'd be jealous about it. I'd be resentful because God, God doesn't do that for me. You know? Or I'd be envious. You know, I'd be envious. Well, I wish God would do something like that for me. Or I just simply wouldn't believe that. They're lying. You know? God didn't really do that. Yet I would believe about the burger joint. Now, something's wrong with that picture. Something's real wrong with it. And what we need to do, I believe, is when we hear about a story of God, we need to say, hey, wait a minute. Lord, I want that. I need a healing, Lord. I need a financial breakthrough, Lord. That's what I want. I'm going, I'm going for that thing. I'm going to plug into that thing, Lord. And I'm going to get what they got. Because that's what it is. It's, it's the testimony of Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy. It's prophetic word being released. You can have faith to believe for that. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying there? It's really important. You know, here's another great scripture about this. It's Psalm 119, verse 111. This is pretty, pretty encompassing here. Okay, it says, Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. In other words, it's saying, Listen, this is my... Take the Bible. Hey, Lord, there was a revival in the Bible, you talked about a revival. That's my heritage, Lord. I can have that. That's part of my spiritual inheritance. We can really begin to tap in to a greater power than we realize if we will simply believe it and plug into it. But we have to make a choice because our minds would tell us, you know, something else. You know what I'm saying? Our minds would tell us something else. I heard a guy this week give a testimony. This guy was a professional golfer at one time. 
He played on the PGA Tour. And he contracted a cancer, had a rare form of cancer in his leg. And he wouldn't go to the doctor. He, for months, he told, yeah, it's just some swelling thing on cyst or something. So his leg started looking deformed. And he went to the doctor, and they, they uh, it was some sort of rare cancer, like, you know, like 100 people a year get this cancer. And they did all these experimental treatments on it. They couldn't cure him. They finally he went, and they said, this is the last time you're coming. You need to go home and, you know, die. You're going to die. It's going to kill you. So he went home, and he was going to die. He decided, well, I'm just going to die. He said, his wife heard about Marilyn Hickey. Y'all ever heard of Marilyn Hickey? She took, hey, this Marilyn Hickey woman's going to be at this church. Let's go down here and hear her speak. So they went down there, and Marilyn Hickey wasn't there. There was this other guy. See, this strange guy came out in this long white coat and preached a message. <laughs> then he left. And they said, anybody need sick, we'll pray for the sick this morning. So she kicked her husband out in the aisle so he would go. He wasn't going to go. He was too proud to go. Here the guy's dying. He's too proud to get prayed for. Dying of cancer. And, but he went because she pushed him out there. She literally pushed him out of the seat. So he would get up. You know, I need to go so everybody won't see my wife. Making. He goes up there and they didn't have enough people praying for him. The ministry team. And so he... But then this guy in this long white coat comes out and prays a simple prayer over him. Just a simple prayer. Lord, you know, what you need, man? He said, I got cancer. Well, I'll pray for you. Lord, will heal you of your cancer. And he prayed for him, and the guy walked off and left. He went to the doctor the next day, went back to the doctor, wasn't supposed to, but called the doctor and said, I need to come back. And something's happening. He didn't know. He wasn't thinking. He went back. He was completely healed of cancer. I mean, totally healed of cancer. The guy was Benny Hinn, by the way. You know, who in television a few weeks ago, they said, no, you know, Benny Hinn's a fake. And, and I'm not, this is not a pro-Benny Hinn thing, but I know a guy personally who got healed of cancer through Benny Hinn praying a simple prayer. You see what I'm saying? We believe the television. I guarantee you, people in this room, if you saw that, you probably, yeah, he's a fake. <laughs> and I ain't saying everything he does is right, but I am saying this. This man, I talked to this man. He's no liar. He actually is a pastor of a church now. He's not golfing no more, Lord bless him. <laughs> He's making, not making a lot of money. But he was healed through a simple prayer of cancer. Healed. You know, God does stuff like that. He don't just do it through people like Benny, because he didn't fall down or none of that, which that would have been fine to fall, you know, be even better maybe. But I'm just saying, you know... We could take a testimony like that and say, do you need healing in your life? God healed this man. He could heal me. And you can, in your life, you, there's people in this room been healed of stuff. It's like you forgot. There's a little girl that comes to the school who has psoriasis really bad. And I've asked the Lord for two years now about that little girl. Just really, I see her sometimes, it really breaks my heart that she has it and it breaks my heart that I've prayed for a couple of times I haven't seen her healed of psoriasis. And I think that's God. I think He wants to break our hearts. I think He puts people like this little innocent little girl in front of your face and says, Byron, why is she not healed? 
why, why is she not healed? Uh, that's what I, when I see her, I think, why is she healed, Lord? I prayed for her. I believe you healed people. Why? Why? I even got some thing out of the paper about natural remedies. I gave it to Joanne. You know, maybe you could give it to her mama if you felt like it. You know, because I don't really know her mom. But I'm, I'm just telling you this morning, we have something to give. We have something to give. We have what God has done in our lives. And if we sit on it and do not do anything with it, then guess what it's going to do? It's just going to be nothing. And I think Andy's song, you know, Lord, thank you for my job on the roof, on the floor. See, listen. Listen to me. Get this in your mind this morning. In about 15 minutes, you're going to leave this building. Okay, and go home. Most of you won't come back to 1045. It's supposed to be here at 1030. <laughs> Next Sunday. But this is the only place you want to do spiritual things, some, some of you. Except maybe you want to pray a little bit and read the Bible. I just feel like God is saying, listen, there is a world out there starving for what we have. They're dying for what we have. You know, I had to thank the Lord for my job. When Andy, I, I said, Lord, you know, because I get times I don't even like my job, Lord. You know, <laughs> you know, I'd rather do something else. But Lord, no, this is what I give you to do. You do this. This is what you need to do. You find some people that come your way that need me. You give it to them. Give them what you got. Don't give them church. Don't give them religion. Just give them what, whatever He's given you where you're at. And that's really what God's calling us to do as people. He's not calling us to be church rats, you know, that just want to lay around in church and hope God's going to do something in church. We're going to have this experience with God in church. And that's why revivals stop. Because they stop with the Christians that get touched in them. Because all they want to do is go to meetings all the time and get blessed, but they don't ever want to do anything with it. They don't ever want to take it and give it to somebody who's obnoxious and needy. And that's really the truth for us. I've been one of those church friends because I, I love to get touched by the Lord. I could spend my life laying on the floor, God just doing things to me. I would be happy with that lifestyle, actually. But I found out something about God. He's not interested in that. He may want to do it every once in a while, too, but most of the time He's wanting me to do something with what He's given me. He's given me a lot. He's given you a lot. When I was young, nobody was talking about Christian businessmen being important. Nobody was talking about God wanting to move in the marketplace. They were telling you, you know, if you want to be used by God, it wasn't going to be on the missionary or in the church. Now they're saying God wants to move out there in the world with business and grocery stores. That's what the Lord's trying to tell the church now. And I really want to encourage us to do that. I want to encourage us to be evangelists. I want to encourage us to give real stuff to people and get out of this religious mindset that we have. I really want to encourage you to do that today. And when you go into a, a store, you go on your job, you say, Lord, what are you doing here? You've placed me here, God. Not just to get a paycheck, but you put me here to do something. There's people around me that need a prophetic word. There's people around me that need to be prayed for. 
and be bold to do it. You know, it's, you know, it's like one person said one time, is you can get two responses out of people, thanks or no thanks. You know, <laughs> can I pray for you? No. Okay. But the, you know, it's all the same with God. Or can I, you know, on, on the work, when you're working with people day in and day out, just sharing stuff from your life, not trying to, you know, hammer them with religion. Do y'all understand what I'm saying to you? I think this is what the move of God is really going to look like. It's that. That's what's going to carry the move of God. We can't do this. Maybe I'm talking to myself this morning. We can't just babysit Christians. We can't do it. We can't try to make everybody happy. We just can't do it. We've got to do the mission, the mission, the thing that God's called us to do. We've got to give this wonderful thing that we have inside of us away. And if we just stop and just do church, we are going to be miserable. I've been doing it a long time, and if I, when I just do that, I'm not happy. But when I go around people who are hungry or who are needy, I feel blessed when I can tell them some stuff. I, I'll be honest with you. This is, this is truthful. I thought, you know, I can see why people don't like going to church. If I was an unsaved person, I would shoot somebody trying to get me to go to church. Are you going to drag me over there and make me do all that? People need to be able to find life. They need to find life. They need to find God's power. They need to find God's salvation. And maybe, maybe I really am preaching to myself. I don't know. But I have found, you know, that my testimony of what God's done in my life is when I share that with people, different things over my life, it impacts people for some reason. They get something out of it. Because it's real. It's not the four spiritual laws. It's not, well, let me just tell you, you know, here's how we do things at our church and come to our church and, you know, that kind of attitude. No, man, you know, I don't know how you feel. You know, I was like that at one time. It's what God done for me. Maybe he'll do it for you. You never know. Maybe if you ask him, you'll find out. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? So, let me see. I gave you a message a few weeks ago about the church's need for real preachers. Everybody wanted to be a real preacher. And I think the last time I preached, I gave you somewhat of a similar message about sharing your story. And so, this is the last one of these messages like this, okay? About giving what's real. Because really, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I think I've said everything I can say about it. But I, I feel in my heart, just you know, when you, just broken feeling of God over people. It's the way I feel, and that to me is a is a is a thing that we need. Is when we get around lost people, we feel this this broken feeling inside of us. We hurt for them. We don't judge them. We don't criticize them. So we have this hurt in our heart to bring them in. And listen, you're talking to a pastor who supposedly, you know, you know, supposedly ministering to, you know, somebody who feels like wants to be a teacher, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's great stuff. But I tell you, there's a lot more to it than that. And that's really what God's called us all to do. He's called us all to reach people. 
the hurting, the lying, the dying, <laughs> the ugly, the pretty, is to give them something of eternal value. And I really want to encourage you to do that this morning. I really want that. I really want us to get that broken heart of God over the world out there. You know, the Bible says the laborers are few. And they ain't talking about people to do Sunday school classes. They're talking about people to really go out there and harvest and labor.